Hi, this is Bill Prater, and welcome to the Business Builder Show, where our mission is to bring you subject matter experts in their respective niches from all over the planet. Our mission is to provide you with timely, provocative, and actionable resources that inspire, promote, and accelerate your quest for business excellence. Today, we're going to talk about how to build a culture where top talent loves to work. And, and Pam Bonnie is going to teach us all about that. She's an innovator in the leadership and team assessments domain. After two decades of experience as a senior leader in the hospitality in industry with Embassy Suites and later Hilton, she formed an original leadership theory in framework based on 12 character strengths that grow positive influence in people, teams, and culture. She observed that there was only one difference between a dysfunctional teams and teams that flourish. And that one thing is measured and taught by the use of the tilt suite of development assessments. She calls it tilt365.com. And it's got a worldwide network of partners working around the globe to grow character strengths in business. Its mission is to help the next generation of leaders produce ethical innovations that solve the complex problems of our time. Pam, it's fantastic to have you here. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with you. So I know, but some of our listeners may not know exactly the universe of who you serve. Yeah. Well, I, we serve several audiences, as you can imagine, but our favorite audience and the, the one that we focus on the most is high achiever team leaders, you know, so team leaders that love to challenge the status quo and, you know, they really care a lot about their team and the culture that they're building and how their team is performing and interested in being innovators. So that's the top one. We also, we also teach, we have a, a coaching academy where we teach a skill called laser coaching and we teach these team leaders, how to laser coach and how to recognize when that's necessary and how to help their team, you know, build that transformational healthy culture. So we, so we also serve sometimes HR leaders and organizations who want to learn that laser coaching skill. And they're also internally supporting that same team. We want to support them from inside and from outside. So those two audiences, and then of course, pretty much anybody, any person, that has a personality that is a pretty big personality or a personality that has gotten feedback and wants to grow it or shape it much more intentionally. So these people you just described, they've got some problems that they come to you to solve. And what are those yeah. problems that you typically solve for people? Well, usually what I just said, which is, you know, we'll have a team leader come and say, we've got these big personalities and we love okay. their talent. You know, like they're so good, they're so smart, they're so intelligent, but we, you know, we're having trouble with them, you know, pounding chests, right? They're uh, getting, you know, into conflict, they're siloing, they're dividing instead of aligning, you know, so divided interests and people getting in their corner and digging their heels in and, you know, I'm right and you're not right and that sort of thing. So uh, uh, nicely described. See, uh, but see, you're an HR person and I and I'm uh, and I'm a business owner. So I call those people onboard terrorists. 
<laughs> yeah. And I, you call me an HR person. Thank you. I'm actually not, but I'm more like you. I'm a business owner. And previously I was an operations leader. So okay, okay, okay. every you aspect of the business. You <laughs> the soft side of yourself. That's beautiful. Yeah. So tell us how you go about solving these problems. I've got a little notion of it, but maybe if you could tell us a case study that involves me that laser coaching and maybe yeah. another case study which maybe includes an entrepreneur and she's trying to build the culture of her company. She didn't know how. So maybe one or two case studies, how they found you, Pam, how'd they come about your company? Maybe that'll give us some insight on how you go about marketing and then yeah. how you identify the problem and how you prescribe a solution. Just kind of walk us through one or two okay. little case stories. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, one of the first two, well, the first two accounts that we got actually corporate accounts, were a big deal. They were big milestones in our company. We we ended up working with Facebook when they were only four to five thousand employees, and then also Red Hat, which is another technology company's open source software service company. We started working with them a number of years ago. They were our two anchor research company. So we had one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast, and we got to experiment there with our research while we were, I was still working on my thesis and had come up with a suite of assessments that helps people start with their personality but realize that it's that's only the beginning and you've got to work on character strengths in order to show up in a way that you know creates a healthy culture around you and what people call today psychological safety you know so those two particular clients were great big case studies they were wonderful in that they were really innovative and wanted something completely different you know they didn't want the same old, you know, personality assessment everybody has done, which we love those too. You know, like I based a lot of my research on using those for many years before I ever came up with my own theory. But both of those companies wanted something different and they recognized that the problem that they were needing to solve is people not working together and not really knowing why they were not working well together. So divisiveness versus, you know, working together in cohesion, which is really important for a high performing team. So with Facebook, with, with Facebook, now Meta, we worked with them when they were still kind of forming their culture and really sharp, really sharp group of people to work with. We had, in, they had internal coaches. We went in and certified all of their internal HR people and they built it into a year-long leadership program. Same thing at Red Hat, they built it into a, a, a year-long leadership program, which they designed themselves. And I guess one thing that makes us different is we're like, if, if you like our assessments, use them in any way you want. You know, there are a lot of companies out there that are pretty restrictive about that sort of thing, but we're very open and transparent and, you know, we want to enable and empower people to do it their way. Well, both, both of these companies have gone on, of course, you know, in the last 15 years, we started working with both of them 15 years ago, you know what kind of success they have today. And we were, you know, very honored to be in those early days, you know, helping them shape the kind of culture that helped them be the big success stories that they are. If you want a personal story, we have lots of those too. Like those are much more interesting, right? But I would say a lot of the time what we end up doing is working with an individual team leader who's kind of overwhelmed and worried and anxious and, you know, not feeling like their team is just not performing. And what we've, we help them do is figure out that there's internal conflict in them 
to start with that they have different parts inside themselves that maybe aren't in agreement. And I I can think of three or four, you know, that I've worked with even this year that where they have one part of them telling them they should do this and another part of them saying, but no, you should do this. And they're in direct conflict internally. And so when you're feeling that way as a leader, you can't communicate the kind of, you know, strong voice from you and they sense that and the team will tend to go you know take what you're doing and go out and divide themselves so that's the sort of thing that we work with and so how did those individuals end up finding you how did they find us almost every single we we, we laugh about this because it's like six degrees from these first two anchor clients in the west one in the east every single person that finds us we say how did you find us and they're like Oh, somebody was working at Red Hat or oh, somebody was working at Facebook years okay, ago and great. now they've moved on here and there. So far, we have actually only recently in the last few years started doing marketing at all. We grew completely organically from 100% referrals and it's because of the, the way that we designed the assessments, I think, are very memorable and actionable and very pragmatic. So business leaders really like it. And the science is really good. So because of that, technology companies really like it. Very smart people want to see the good research behind it. And then, you know, also scientific companies or healthcare companies that really like good science. So, so far, those are the industries that we have really grown in organically. But now we want to go beyond that and grow in a wide variety of different functions within companies. We want to get into the sales function, for example. We really haven't worked too much with sales teams, and we think that this could be incredibly powerful for a sales team. So many of our listeners, they've certainly heard the word assessment, and you know they may have taken one or two themselves or, or been, been asked to by their somebody hiring them, et cetera. But there's a lot of competition out there, Pam. And uh, so we'll get into how crazy you were to go out and compete with those people. But but tell me exactly how is Tilt365 different and unique and better than the competition? Yeah. So most personality assessments, and we start with that, most personality assessments are fun to take, I love them all. I'm a geek in the assessment space. So I say, take everyone you can get your hands on. But they are hard to remember later. And in the world of business, if you can't remember it, you will not likely apply it. So what I did is take all of the personality assessments out there in the world and figure out how can I build one that, that communicates four simple patterns that you need to know if you're in business that you can remember and actually go work with them and apply them. And that I think is one of the most important differences, but also part of the, what's what makes them memorable is a business mental framework. So I use business language, like one of the patterns is the change catalyst, and we call it the impact pattern, or the mastermind, which is the structure pattern, or connection, which is the, you know, cross-pollinator. So we, so we use language that kind of, as soon as you hear it, makes you think of a business application or context. And because of that, you don't forget it. 
And the other thing is mental frameworks that are visual are going to help you use more parts of your brain to remember it than the acronym of like, for example, Myers-Briggs, which I'm a huge fan of, but nobody can ever remember their four letters, much less what they, they have fun reading their report, but they don't know how to then think about now, how do I fit the picture of business? And how do my specific personality traits actually have a role in the way that we interact in business and in, you know, business teams. So it's really remembering it and being able to apply it and it being very actionable. I also take people out of the box. So I'm not a believer of type. I think some people might stay a type their entire year, their, their entire life. But my view is that the more advanced your brain becomes, the more you think it depends. You know, I'm not this, I'm not that. It depends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that reminds me of a, of a related story about a, a business owner that is roughly in the space, not exactly an assessment. You'll know about it. Well, you know, I'll talk it later. It's not, it's not really of value to our listeners right now. So I, I think we now understand who it is that, uh, is attracted to your company, who you serve, and you gave us two or three different illustrations of that. And you obviously told us that you range from super large companies inventing a, a, a monstrous culture that fits everybody down to an individual person. You cover all of that. You gave us a couple of case studies. Thank you very much. And you completely nailed how you differentiate yourself from your competition. I'm sure many of our listeners said, yeah, I did take Myers-Briggs and I have no idea what in the world it was other yeah. than I do remember Myers-Briggs. That's the only part. Yeah, because it was fun. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'd like to do then is kind of put aside, you know, what your business does and let's talk about you, the business owner. And what I'd like to hear is, you know, what were the major milestones, Pam? You know, when did, you know, I think you mentioned 15 years. And so take us back to, take us on a journey of, of when you founded the company, you know, what prompted you to do it? And then two or three kind of major wins that you had. You mentioned a couple in, in your two kind of cornerstone clients. And then maybe a problem or two or a misfortune that you had and how you solved that. And then I'll kind of ask you some clarification question as you go through it. But take us through the story of Tilt 365. Yeah. So, so it kind of begins when I was actually at Hilton and Embassy Suites when I was a senior VP of Ops there because I was an observer of human behavior. And one of the things that I, that I observed was that people are either working and fully engaged in work or their egos caught up in something, some kind of fear. Like, wait a minute, I'm not important here, or I'm not special, or people don't like me, or something like that. And when you're caught up in that ego fear, you're not working. So this distribution of energy as a leader is what I got very interested in. And how, what if I could reduce the amount of time that we get into fear and get into the politics of the ego fears and trying to get ourselves okay, then we would have all this freed energy to invest in more work. So that's what got my interest as a, as a senior leader. I just saw the energy going in those two directions and saw the math and how good that could be if we were able to reduce that drama. And so it started then, and I did 18 years of research while I was still there. I was taking notes about every positive trait that I noticed in myself or others 
And then what would happen if it was absent? And, you know, like, so honesty is good, but if, if you don't have honesty, that's not good. And also what happens if you overuse it? So I, you know, ran into this idea of Aristotle's golden mean, and I thought it was huge in terms of understanding human behavior, that when we overuse a positive thing, it becomes a perversion of that and it becomes a, a problem and it actually means you're, you're coming from fear. So too much honesty, for example, would be blunt, which is fine in moderation and when you need to make a point. But it's really annoying if you do it 10 times in the same conversation or you do it to such an extreme that you're diminishing other human beings and not being respectful. So I started collecting all of this data on all these positive traits and what happens if you overuse it while I was still at Hilton. So I had all these tons of, you know, spreadsheets and so on. So you asked about milestones. I would say the first milestone is when I had a big aha moment in 1998 about the, the model being a visual model and it became a really simple mental model for me to quickly help people kind of get back into the, you know, positive zone, you know, the flow zone. So the, a big milestone, of course, was when I left, I decided to make, you know, leave a, a very big career where I was making a lot of money to start a business. And remember you, you said that earlier, yes, I was crazy to do that. I was crazy to do that. It was a lot harder than you would imagine. I think it's, I always tell people it's harder to run a small company than it is a big organization in many ways. So anyway, leaving at, you know, that point of my career was, was a, a huge milestone, but it was also for me kind of, I had to do it because I was so fascinated with this research. I went back to graduate school in IO psychology, which is industrial organizational psychology, to test the rigor of the, the psychometrics of this mental model that I had created and used for all these years. It had these interesting phenomenons that would occur, and I wanted to understand it and see if it had any merit. So I enrolled in graduate school. I spent, you know, a number of years doing research. And luckily during that time is when Facebook and Red Hat started letting me use their employees as the research subjects. Um, and so we- Did you have, did you have inside champions, friends I that did, helped you? I did, of course, yes. Yeah, sure. If you don't okay, have those, good. you know, like, yeah. No, we had, a, you know, two amazing people at Facebook. I don't know if you want me to mention names, but they were it's up to you. Up to you. Stuart and Bill. They, they were just okay. amazing people. And they're the ones that created that incredible leadership program. And then Alyssa and Jan and a number of people in, in the Red Hat environment, same thing. They built this really great leadership program around it. And then, you know, my big milestone, I would say, is while I was doing research that these great companies decided, you know, it's not proven yet, but we love your theory. You know, like that's huge to, you know, that it's not about just your personality. You're, you can use your personality as an excuse for your behavior. It's actually about character strengths and your choice and your habits that you choose to act upon that actually shape your outcomes and your destiny in life and in work. And so they loved that idea, both companies, and said, we want to develop. We want, we want to develop people's personalities by strengthening them with character strengths. So that was a huge milestone to have those kind of wonderful research subjects. Another milestone we had, you know, someone who wanted to invest in our idea and we, 
you know, hired a company to create the first minimum viable product and technology, and that was really big. And then uh, when I graduated, when I finished with my thesis, the, the model held up the way I had built it. And I think that was just because of all the tedious, you know, years that I had already spent in qualitative research to put it together. And we still use that practice today on the science team that we're very meticulous in creating very strong items, very strong languaging, wordsmithing, et cetera, so that they perform really fast and really accurately. And that's one of the differentiating things that we really cared the most about is that people have short attention spans today and they want an assessment that's fast, not 45 minutes, not two hours. They want it to be 10 minutes or less. We started out 15 minutes. We've got it down to 10 minutes, 10 minutes or less. And they want it to, you know, rock their world in terms of accuracy. So those are, those are milestones. I would say we've had a number of them since then, but we've also had a lot of challenging years as well. So, so uh, tell us about one or two major challenges that kind of shook you, if you will, to the core, yeah. and then how what you and what you learned from those mistakes, problems, challenges. Yeah. So I think one is that. We we decide, you know, we had a, a number of advisors, and I think myself as a as a leader, I wasn't as confident leading a small company like this, especially a technology company. So I'm not a technical leader. I'm a science leader, but not a technology leader. There's a difference, and so therefore, I would sometimes take advice and kind of place their advice above my own instead of following my gut. And I went in the wrong direction two or three times, you know. I also kind of resisted being, you know, serving the business world, like corporate world. I really wanted to serve individuals and help leaders individually grow. But very quickly got swept into the world of, you know, no, companies want to buy it. You know, so that's that's one thing that I kind of eventually acquiesced about and, and put together a team and started marketing it just only a few years ago. So we really never had a go-to-market strategy and we stayed very small and then never took, you know, beyond angel funding. That's been, that's probably been a shortcoming, I would say. We probably should have taken funding. If I had been younger when I started this, I probably would have taken funding and gone the whole IPO route and all of that. But I had been there, done that, led a huge team of 60,000 employees, and I didn't want to build a big company again. So my personal choice and lifestyle probably, you know, have limited what we have, you know, been. It took took longer, you know, we're bootstrapping, took longer, smaller team, but it's okay. I know you're a an advocate of high-performance teams, so... Give us a little insight into what your management team looks like. Yeah, they're super. We're, we're, you know, we practice what we preach. So we really hire smart, fast, you know, very, you know, strong personalities. And we're very transparent, very much, you know, do all the things, you know, we've done a lot of research on high performing teams and we do a lot of exercises and we have a platform of tools that we teach others that we use for ourselves. So for example, we collect feedback on ourselves and we retake our own assessments regularly. We check our habits very regularly. You know, like what are the things that we're doing without thinking and what, how could we bring that into more conscious awareness 
and choose the right habits that are going to get us to the next stage. So our team is young, you know, so I've, I've tended to hire the next generation that I think will probably run the company. Eventually, I might like to move to chairman and, you know, be very happy having them run it. They actually reverse mentor us because we're boomers and we don't know how the world works all the time today or think the way that they think and that's who we serve. So a lot of our, a lot of the leadership is not top down, it's bottom up as well. We're highly transparent, very technically focused in terms of we have project management software that we use and everybody shares every week. Like this is what I did last week, this is what I'm doing this week. This is what I plan to do. Here's where I'm blocked. I need some help from so-and-so. You know, so we run a very tight ship when it comes to that sort of thing. We have fun. We're, we're very playful, not silly, but very fun. We do value free time and creative time. We're all writers. We're all working to be better writers every day. We educate ourselves and go take classes. Like we've all taken classes in neuroscience and how that, you know, plays with within the space of coaching and within the space of assessments. I don't know if I answered your question, but... Yep, you did. So uh, I think, I'm not absolutely certain that you have a certification program and you've got... So I know that you, you mentioned you had some inside of corporations. Do you have some independent people across the planet that are also certified to, with yeah, your uh, materials? Definitely, like probably about 35 percent of our business comes from our practitioner network, our vertical, okay. which are coaches, consultants, HR, you know, groups that utilize our assessments in their own, you know, way. So they built their own programs around it. We've also built, you know, workshop series and programs that we let them use as well. So yes, we have a certification in the TILT suite of assessments. We have some fresh research coming out on our new team agility predictor, which is pretty exciting. We're going to publish that in the next couple of weeks. And we also have a new product that we're building right now. So we're always designing new, new things and bringing them out. We also have a real strong desire to empower organizations to do it themselves. So, you know, instead of becoming dependent on us as a consulting company, our view is we want to teach them. So we do programs where we certify everybody in their HR department or, you know, groups of leaders within the company so that they can take what, take the mental model, take the assessments and go do their own thing with it. So very big on empowering and strengthening the, the people internally to be able to put it to use in their own way, using their own interpretations on methodology. So what's, what's in your way right now? What's holding you back right now, Pam? I would say probably the thing that I always think about is that is me, you know, the funding thing, but you know, it just makes us grow slow and, you know, marketing wise, you know, we're learning and we, so I would say the biggest gap we have is awareness. We have a great product and when people use it, they're like, wow, where have you been? You know, so we know that they love the product. We know we have a great product, but we do not have awareness out there. So that means our next phase is we have to be more like a marketing company and, and not just trust that we're going to grow organically forever. We've got to go make some effort in that, in that way. It's good to hear. So we've got a lot of people listening to us. They have, they're coming from a lot of different spaces. So how would our listeners, potential employees, potential practitioners, corporations, how would they get a hold of you and your company, Pam? So the best way is to come to our website, tilt365.com. 
and definitely like play around. There's there are free things that you can do. You can look in our resource library. You can take assessments. The the one that we always say to start with is the True Tilt personality assessment, which talks about your character strengths, and it's really fun one to take, and it's, you know, you're not going to forget it after you take it. Also, you can write to me, Pam, at tilt365.com. I'll be happy to respond. I do respond to my own email, and there is also an appointment link on our website, so you can just book an appointment, like, immediately as soon as you land on our website. There's a little spot that says, let's talk, and we want to build relationships with people. Fantastic. I love all those various touch points you told us about. So I've asked you several questions, but I'm thinking there's probably a question I should have asked you and I didn't. So Pam, what question should I have asked and what's the answer to that question? Yeah, so the, 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 what I think of as you say that is that a question we get a lot is why should I care about character? Like, why does that matter? And I'm always surprised to get that question, but it's a good one because we have mostly taught people that you're, you're, you are your personality. And, you know, that isn't, that's just a really small beginning of who you are. You know, our, our real self is so much more, has so much more depth than just our personality. I always say our personality is a strategy for how we interact with and influence other people. It isn't who we are. Truly who we are comes from our investment in the things that we do every day and the things that we do repeatedly become our habits. And those habits actually culminate into the outcomes, both personally and professionally. And people ask me like, why should I care about it? Well, actually every problem that we encounter as individuals in the workplace and even if you think about all the problems that we notice on the news in the world there's not a single one of them that would not be improved or even fixed if each of us took responsibility to improve our character just a little bit each day so that's probably my favorite question Oh, that's wonderful. I loved, I love your word selection when you said character, which is a bigger word than just personality. That's, that was, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I've enjoyed talking with visiting with you. And I know our listeners enjoyed hearing your wonderful wisdom and your unique approach to this whole space. I think, I think it was today. In fact, I read an article and I, and I tend to be a little bit too much of a surface reader, but I believe it said that we have the lowest productivity ever since 1945 or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're saying, right. yeah. And I believe that's, I, I myself believe that's all cultural. It's all cultural. And if you let people just do, follow their own, if you will, characters, that's not very productive. <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with you, a hundred percent. I th- I think the reason you might you mind me sharing what I think about that. I would. We're all waiting for you to say the yeah. reason, and then you said you mind if I answer that question. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't want to, but I, I think that we're non-productive right now because of what I said earlier about where energy goes. When uh. you're worried and anxious. And the world is changing so fast that we can't take it in. 
that's when our ego gets fearful. And the four fears that we teach people to recognize in themselves is you're fearing the loss of approval and relationship, or you're fearing the loss of power and significance in the world, or you're fearing the loss of power and autonomy, status, and you're fearing the loss of attention and freedoms. And so when you have all these fears that all these things are happening and it's way, way out of control, you know, there are too many global things happening all at once, and whenever fear is happening, we're not gonna operate at our best. It's actually our, the dark parts of our, our personality that are gonna come out. And all of a sudden we're in ego and we're focused on me instead of us. So, and, and, we, and we don't have the skills to know how to come back to ourselves and stabilize and, you know, understand that we're going to be okay and we just have to do our little part today. There, there are so many fears circulating everywhere and I think it's technology, the advancements of technology, social media, all kinds of things. We just have too much information coming in and all of it is fear producing. So if we don't have a strong inner sense of self, like that's that's when we get distracted and- Okay, I, you know, I love the, the picture you gave me earlier about where, how, how, how energy is distributed or diluted by going in and non-productive area, for non-productive for our, for our personality and for our personal selves and for our professional lives, it manifests itself in a non-productive, dysfunctional team. So, wow, this was great. We could have kind of, we probably will go on forever after we finish this, <laughs> but we're going to wrap it up now, Pam. Okay. So everybody, look, in closing, you heard this loud and clear just now from Pam, and that is our businesses do not become extraordinary in a single moment. Instead, they get there as a result of the owner first learning and then applying a proven combination of having the right mindset of a dedication to a system of management. And number three, leveraging high performance teams. So thanks for listening, Pam. Once again, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much, Bill. It's been a pleasure and you're just a delight. Well, thank you. And right back at you. <laughs>